right along the train tracks. And what's the name of the studio? Sound Wars, but we're going to be calling it Hoboken Music Studio soon, just to simplify things, because it's the only fucking recording, visual, and rehearsal studio in all of Hoboken. Nice. You know? Yeah. And it's a nice neighborhood. It's it, It's been gentrified over the last 10 years. They got rid of all of us goombas and oh, yeah. fucking social clubs, which is kind of fucked up. Yeah, I had no idea. What, good food around here. Yeah, I know? had no idea, like, like how the neighborhood would be, because honestly, I think I was, like, in Hoboken, like, once in my life. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. never had no reason to hang the out The only thing here. people know is, like, Frank Sinatra came from here. Right. You know, and, and the station, you know, I remember uh, when I used to commute out to, like, uh, New Brunswick, Brunswick to go to Rutgers to see a girl... You know, they used to used to hear all the people on the train making fun of Hoboken. Yeah. But, you know, it's really not that bad of a neighborhood. You no. You know what I mean? It's, it's quiet. A, you're left alone. Yeah. It's like a lot of New York. I mean, obviously, we're in North Jersey, but <laughs> all this whole fucking area is changing. Everything is changing. Well, they but, needed to redevelop every neighborhood in order to build on the real estate and everything else, you yeah. know, it's all progress and money. Yeah. And then the impoverished get pushed out to somewhere else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. It is what it is. I mean, you still got, you know, street addicts panhandling around here, but they're more on the other side of the outskirts of uh, Jersey City. There's some bad blocks over there. It's like really, really contained. Yeah. And I guess that's why they designed it like that too, with redevelopment, so they could keep an eye on the bad neighborhoods and yeah. oppress those people yeah. oppress the everybody riffraff. else yeah yeah but anyway this is a dope fucking spot and i didn't realize until i walked in here this is the spot where you made the last couple videos yeah we're in the cyclorama room yeah. this was built two winters ago by the team of us you know i did a lot of the insulation the plastering and painting while the other guys did the carpentry work Right. It looks like, you know, a skate park for short people, right? It does, absolutely Because of the transitions, it's supposed to help to give it that infinite look. Yeah. You know, also like a green screen. Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. you could do all these different things. A lot of photo shoots come out of here, as well as the videos that you've seen that I've done. Yeah. Um, you know, and other bands have been in here, too. You know, I, I just don't know how much they've used it. We've done some interviews here with, like, Sinestra Studios, uh... Derek Soto, who's done a lot of photo photography for me. Yeah. 
you know, we've done an interview with him as well. And uh, a couple others, but the names escape me at the yeah. moment, you know. Well, speaking of names, if people don't already fucking have an idea, it's been, you were on episode nine. And now this is episode Shit. 146 of the Brooklyn Blast Crazy Furnace. that it's gone that long. Congratulations for being so consistent. Thanks. I wish I had that blessing in I'm, the beginning. This, I mean, this, obviously, you're listening on podcast time, but as we're recording this, today is the three-year anniversary since the first episode dropped. Happy anniversary. Oh, thanks, Eddie, there, Leeway. (laughs) Let's have a toast. Yeah, let's have a toast. Yeah, man, 146 episodes and 30 mini-episodes all in three years. But that's what's up, man. I I love this medium. So do I. and, and, And it's why I'm happy to be back doing my thing. You know, when I do a podcast with you, I could be entertaining, I could... You know, just chew shit and talk shit. Yeah. But, you know, with myself doing my own podcast, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring community right. instead of unity back. And I, I want to talk about the life issues and the human issues that we're all enduring out there. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's it, it's just something that's stimulating and uh, it, it's content that I want to draw at, whether it's me venting anger like I just did with my last episode. Yeah. You know, from being fucked over and stuff like that. Yeah. Or talking to somebody who has an incredibly real hardship story but was able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and come out and survive. Those are the stories that I want to bring out because there's a lot of us, we were all misfits and outcasts coming into this music. So a lot of us are still hurting. Yeah. We never were able, some didn't really get to grow and evolve the way they could have or should have. Yeah. You know, so um, some never even made it this far. Exactly. You know what I mean. Exactly. So if anyone doesn't know or not aware, but Eddie relaunched. He used to have a podcast, the Eddie Leeway Podcast Show, but now it's relaunched. That's done. But now it's just the Eddie Leeway Podcast, and you should fucking listen. He's also on the Dark Satellite Media Podcast Network of mine. Um, but yeah, it's real shit. So yeah, but right now it's on a private website. But uh, that's going to change. Yeah, it will be on Spotify soon. It's really just a matter of uh, logistics and emotions in the last next week. But I want it to be privatized on my private website, and then the Spotify listeners can listen to it there. So it's going to be aired on two separate nights. Okay, that's you know, the like idea. The private site will get the, the uh, original premiere and opening of the episode. And then, like, two nights, three nights later, it'll pop up on Spotify. Right. That way, both audiences, people that want to listen while they're driving or going to the gym can hear yeah. it on Spotify. And other people can just go to my page and check it out there. Yeah. Because I'll be always updating information for myself and everything else, too, on there. And uh, I figure, hey, I had to put this investment into the website. I want to extend it and make it everything leeway, you know? I don't really have leeway pages other than Facebook. Right. You know, on Instagram, it's just Eddie Leeway. Right. And You can always create one, dude. Yeah, I'm not not into rebuilding it and everything. Like, it's simple just to keep it centralized like that. Right. I don't have to necessarily do what everybody else is fucking doing. True. You know what I mean? Because it's it, everybody knows the current leeway is just me, so right. it might as well be just Eddie Leeway. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of trying to juggle two pages there and Facebook here. Yeah. Uh, trust me, I get it. It's too much work. It is. It's a lot of work. I mean, I have podcast shit everywhere. You know what I mean? I have, like, my own personal Facebook, which is 90% podcast shit. I have the Facebook group, and then I have the Dark Satellite Media group. 
And then these other groups that aren't podcast related. And then I have the fucking Instagrams. And you're not promoting right now, right? What? Any shows. Are you doing shows right now? No, I haven't done a show in over in, in almost three so years. imagine if you had that going on. on oh, top fuck of all that, man. That was, that, was, that was more work than the podcast. No, I know. I mean, I mean, I don't have to deal. I mean, this, this, you know, I could shoot you a message. I could shoot one person a message, and I just am dealing with one person to set up something. Yeah. But when it comes to a band, putting nine bands on one show, average of four people a band, everyone has to get on the same page, this and that, and then you have to compete with what else is in the neighborhood and who's this and who has beef with this guy and who doesn't like this. Such it's, a dysfunctional family. Yeah, man. it's I don't have time for any of that shit. Excuse me, I'm just taking the jacket off because yeah, as no you doubt. can tell, this psycho is fucking warm. Yeah, it is warm. It's good though. Well, it's, it's so outside. insulated. That's the whole thing. It's so fucking insulated that. Yeah. Just the heat from the pipes going into other areas of the warehouse. Yeah, just so if you hear like a little rattling, that's the heat pipe all the way above us. But all you five boroughs motherfuckers, you know what the rattling of radiators does. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you haven't heard of radiator, then you must be uh, spoiled. <laughs> yeah, definitely spurled. Privileged. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, man. So it's good, man. I'm glad that... Uh, it's been a long time since it's, it, dude. It's been like two and a half years at least, more than that. Since, yeah, I don't since, get since out we, much. I since since we, well, I seen you like this is hardcore and stuff yeah. like that. But I'm saying since the last time we actually did the podcast, and that's when I was still doing it at the bar with Jeff and John. Mm-hmm. So a lot's happened, and since it's it's been three years, a lot's happened with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I saw. I mean, there was a couple of years back. You know, you had Dan Nastassi. Shout out to Dan. Hey, Dan. He, uh, you know, he was filling in and, and he was playing with you at, at the pre-show with this hardcore yeah. a couple of years back and shit like that. So I saw you a few times since, you know, live. Yeah. But, uh, you know, life happens. So, like, we don't get a chance, like, to actually see each other besides at a show or doing something like this. And I say it often. It's like one of the main reasons why I do it like this is in order to hook up and hang out with somebody who, and have a normal conversation with. Other than at a show and a quick, yo, what's up? You killed it, bro, blah, 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 and then keeping it moving. Yeah. All that stupid yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't get out much. I'm, you know, spending most of my time down in Virginia Beach, you know, with my significant other and her two kids, you know, living a completely different life than uh, I've ever before. So, you know, I'm up here working at, at the time now. So it's like when I'm here, I'm here. You yeah. know what I mean? And sometimes I can't necessarily just go out and right. do something. You know, I'm trying to hold down and take care of this or that. You know, this game is a constant joy and pain, as you know, too, even on your end. Like, yeah. you know, trying to do the shows, trying to make the positive experiences and then all the fuckery and the nonsense that gets in the way and jams it up like a tour. Yeah. Falling apart and then ending up in the red and, you know, here I am now backed out four grand and I have to start fucking sorting that out and paying that back. You know, it's a constant, constant fucking hurdle. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think you touched, I don't remember exactly what, what we spoke about, but I've heard you say it off, you know, off record, and I believe we spoke about it the first time you were on the show. It's like, Leeway was always that band... How did you put it? It was like always so close, but then something fucked up would happen. Well, I was snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. It's That's it. Snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. Right. But like Johnny Thunders, Jerry Nolan used to use that expression for yeah. Johnny Thunders. He was always snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Right. It was like everything from like 
how long it took to actually, like, born to expire to fucking get released. And then fucking desperate measures and then everything else in between and then adult crash and then, and then fucking open mouth kiss. But it's always been... A fucking... <laughs> I compare it to, like, the curse... <laughs> it's of, crazy, the dude. The curse of the Bambino. Like, it yeah, took 98 man. years for the Red Sox to get their shit together and, and get the championship. Yeah, because I like remember... The same thing to me. Yeah, it's like, I remember, like, the first time I saw you guys live was opening for Suicidal at Lemoore's. Yeah. That was the first time I seen you guys. And you and you White had, Zombie was on that bill. Yep. They were just about to sign a Geffen. Yeah, it was White Zombie, you and Suicidal. Mm-hmm. That was the day. That's why I blame you for everything. Because you're the fucking reason why I turned out the way I am. Because you, because I was a metalhead. And I went there to see Suicidal. And I saw you guys. And like the next day, I went out and I bought Born to Expire. And live at CBGB Agnostic Front. Well, I'm and, glad you caught the vapors. But don't blame it on me. That I do blame it on you. Because you were the fucking springboard that got me into hard. Hardcore, and next thing you know, here, 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 we're over here now. <laughs> it's still a beautiful thing, though. I, it is, if man. I, didn't have I, this, I break balls. It's the only thing that, you know, uh, I think I've done right, even though I got the bad luck of the business end of it. Yeah. It's the one thing that I've done right and I've been able to touch people with because, you know, um, as the band started gaining prominence and everything else, I got fucking strung out, yeah. you know, and it was just like a whirlwind for me, and yeah. and it 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 almost all fell apart for me, and it took fifteen twenty years of a journey to finally bring it all back by myself. Yeah, around two thousand fourteen and fifteen, I'm happier than ever doing this. Yeah, you know, and and that's no real disrespect to the other guys, even though we don't talk and don't really gel anymore. Right. It's just, you know... I remember when you guys, when, when the Eddie Leeway show... democracy, when somebody wanted to be a dictator, it just doesn't work. Right. It's like the other band soap operas that are out there oh, yeah. that are in conflict. I don't even need to give a name. Right. It's true. Yeah, I remember when you guys played, it was the Eddie Leeway show, and you guys played The Grand Victory. Yeah. And I went to that show, and that was fucking great. You know, I'm like, oh, I hope this, you know. Because like, like I was saying, when I saw you guys at Lemoore's open it up for Suicidal, I remember you saying that Desperate Measures was about to come out. And that was in 1990. Yeah. Desperate Measures didn't come out to what? 92? 91 90, into 92. Right. I think, I, I'm, sure. so I'm like, where is this record? Where is this record? The Kingpin video dropped on MTV before the record came oh, out. We were playing the Desperate Measures songs at the local shows yeah. before we even released the album. Yep. Uh, by the time Bortix Fire was released, all those songs were four, five years old. Yeah. So, you know, Desperate Measures was already written by the time the release of Bortix Fire. So we were able to come out back to back like that. Yeah. And then after 92 and me being in the troubles that I was in, you know, we weren't really getting much done. The band wasn't really doing anything. The other guys like to say that we were broken up. Right. But as soon as we got an offer to do a third release, we were in the studio. Yeah. So I don't know how broke up it was then. Right. You know, and, you know, Al Crash has its moments. I love all four records. I mean, what, what I think is dope is that obviously it sounds cliche, but it's fitting with the name of the band. Is that every record sounds different? We took a margin of freedom and we every record is different. Every time to do our thing, right? And and that's what I thought a band was supposed to do: evolve, yeah, and and you know bring something fresh each time you decided to get into the studio and 
write and then record. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that what the challenge is right. for a musician? Yeah. It's you like know? I've heard Vinny Stigma say. It's like, yeah, when someone, when, when, when Agnostic Front drops a new record, it's like, oh, this doesn't sound like one voice. And then Vinny Stigma is like, well, motherfucker, if you want to hear fucking one voice, go listen to one voice. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 what are you doing? Like, what are you saying? We're trying to move on. We're right. trying to bring more. And, and, you know, you can't play every song in the discography every night when right. you come out on tour. Right. You know, I've stuck pretty close to the first two albums as far as, bringing the live show yeah. and, of course, introducing the, the more recent stuff that I did with Dan Nastasi. Yeah, you have a few fucking bangers, though, man, on fucking, like, Open Mouth Kiss and even, like, fucking Adult Crash, like, fucking The Simple Life. I remember you guys used to do Withering Heights all the time way back in well, the day. It was a great riff. It was a great riff. A long song. Like we It is a long song. You know, you know, kids can't dance to five-minute opuses. You right. know what I mean? It's, it's true. You know, like, the future ain't what it used to be on Desert Measures to close the album. What is that, Seven and Chains? It's Seven and Chains, but there's some heavy riffs in that fucking thing. It's ridiculous, yeah. that album, yeah. that, that that whole fucking song. That's what you opened up with at White Zombie Suicidal. Yeah. You opened up with Future. And sometimes we would open up with, like, Song Remains the Same into Rise and Fall. That was at the last Trash Bash. I'm I very lucky, man. I always had some wonderful musicians behind us when we were doing it together and everything else. And and now that I get to do it with friends and it's on a different level and vibe. And, and I don't bullshit people. It's a tribute. It's not leeway. That's why I'm calling it Leeway NYC. Right. That's why I started calling it the Eddie Leeway Show. Right. I don't want to lie to somebody to sell a ticket and get their ass in the door. No. Right. But it's the best fucking leeway tribute band on the planet. And I am giving you something new. And I intend to keep delivering on that level. Yeah. You know, that's more than what most bands are fucking doing at this point. Sure. You know, yeah. most bands just get together for the summer and do a couple of fests and, and then they go back to their job. Yeah. Hold on one sec. Sorry. Yeah. Little phone call. I had to take that. That happens. Yeah. All right, so little festivals. Is that what we're talking about? Well, yeah. we're talking about how bands like they just right. they just like reunite for a few festivals and right. do a quick run, and then they go back to their lives and stuff like that. I I know that going on fifty five this coming April. That you don't look a day older than twenty eight, Eddie. Yeah, but that's because I'm on my third set of teeth. You know, that's <laughs> the only reason. You know, I'm a fucking hockey player over here. But we're not getting any younger is my point. Right. And I want to make the best of whatever time I have, whether it's, you know, another year, another five. I want to I cross over and evolve into other styles of music, too. You yeah, know what I mean? of course. I don't know if I'm, you know, how long this is going to stay fresh for me and, and fun. Yeah. And there's so many other challenges now that I want to tackle as a vocalist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the idea is to bring back 70s R&B songs and, and turn them into more, like, current, harder rock. Right. Power ballad style sounds. I got you. You know what I mean? And and to me, that sounds exciting. Yeah. You know, I've got Skeeter Thompson, but he goes by Enoch. Uh, Skeeter Thompson of Scream. He and I are going to start collaborating in the next month or two. Oh, that's awesome. And that's separate from what we have planned with Leeway. You know what I mean? Because we are working on something, but I try not to talk about it now because... I don't want anyone to try to stop it. Right. You know what I mean? I got you. Because, you know, after AJ and his piece of shit label, Reality Records, 
put the first two albums up without the proper permission and rights, that shit has been all torn down. Right. And I had nothing to do with it, but I'm the one that gets the question every time. How come I can't hear Leeway on Spotify? And I have to repeat this conversation all the time. Because AJ and this piece of shit out of fucking Belgium, you know, played some fucking games and thought they could get away with a little bit of fuckery. And, and this is what turned out. You know, it's not like anybody called me. Right. You know, uh, this was all done like in a... Hey, this is what we're going to do. You might as well go along and get along. Right. You know what I mean? So, okay, okay. And then I'll go do what I'm doing. Right. You know what I mean? You want to play that game, that's fine. But now stay out of my way, do what I'm going to do next. Sure. You know what I mean? Because I'm the only one trying. Yeah. You know, and I want to do it right. I don't want to do it a half-assed way. Yeah, I know, I know that that is one thing about you. Whenever you do release something, it's not half-assed, so. No, I'm blessed with... Uh, <clears throat> Gordon and Laz, GNL All-Stars as my management team, you know, they have great production and development skills as far as uh, video and recording are concerned. Yeah, it's, it's great because everything is under one roof. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to go to here and there and here and there. You got everything fucking in one spot. And we are a team. And, and you know, sometimes we may not see eye to eye and stuff. But we do work it through, and we do have our eye on the prize, and, you know, we're just patiently moving and grinding forward yeah. the best that we can, you know. And now <clears throat> that we've been working with Mario and Upstate Records, it's been able to... Which is great. It's refreshing. It's, yeah. Mario and his wife, Kim... This is one label that I really, really feel happy with. Everything's on the table. I'm not told yes and then sneakily get a no at the end. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about Mario and Upstate Records. And there's so many people and there's so many bands on that on that label, and I hear nothing but good things. So Mm -hmm. obviously they're doing something good. So shout out to Mario and his wife and Upstate Records. And and yeah, great bands. uh, You know. Me and Mike from Brick by Brick. I was going to say on, Brick by Brick is on there, yeah. We'll be doing, uh, we're planning on some touring for June in the States. That Shout out to fucking in. Mike Valenti. Good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. And, uh, you know, so it's all good. It's, it, it, I, I really feel safe for once. You know what I mean? Like, there's not some hidden agenda. I'm not being promised something that I'm not going to get in the end. Right. You know what I mean? And, and you know, that's all it is, man. I don't understand how this fucking business can't fly straight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, someone's always got to have some hidden fucking agenda yeah. or they make a promise that they can't keep and then they try to fucking ghost you when they can't deliver. Right. So I want to ask you, since we talk about labels and shit like that, like, when you want to talk about, I don't think we've ever talked about it, I don't even think I've ever known, but, like, what had happened, because Born to Expire and Desperate Messages were both on profile, correct? Yes. So what happened there? Well, from what I understand... And I heard, I heard, I heard shitty things about profile records, too. Yeah, well, profile was a label that was, you know, the epitome of exploitation and use, use, use the artist. Right. You know what I mean? Like... But they had such powerful lawyers. I'll tell you honestly, Run DMC tried so fucking hard for years to get off a profile to go to Death Jam. 
and they never could break that fucking contract. Really? So can you imagine someone like us? Yeah, really. Being able Versus to break somebody that contract? like Run DMC, multi-platinum, this, that, and the other thing, so, biggest thing in the world. So after it morphed into another planet, and another planet did those uh, reissues with yeah. like Warzone, Chrome Eggs, Murphy's Law, Us. Yeah, and, the best of series. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it dissolved, and from what I understand now, Sony owns the rights to the first two albums. <coughs> really? Yeah. And and here's the fucked up part. And I, I don't know if it's because of what AJ and Tom at Reality did, because they did this without rights and illegally. You know, it seems like they just want to hold on to the rights to the recordings and the publishing percentages and leave it sealed in a vault. Right. Like, like they want to put us in prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and never let the music see the light of day. Right. You know? If, I mean, why else do they not have it out there to be monetized? Right. I mean, isn't Sony as a conglomerate <clears throat> built to make money? Isn't that why you buy recordings? Sure. And, and publishing because it's musical real estate. Yeah. And you can fucking get all the coins dropping, like, you know, Dutch Schultz's number runners back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And I think of it in such a foul fucking criminal way because the artist with these deals from the past were lucky to be getting 20%. Yeah. I think that's the first time, by the way, that anyone on this podcast has ever referred to Dutch Schultz, by well, the way. <laughs> That's awesome. If anyone knows who it it doesn't know who it is, Google them. Yeah, Dutch Schultz. Uh You know, Dutch Schultz took over the numbers racket from the policymakers out of Harlem and places like that. Mm -hmm. And that's how he made his money until eventually Thomas Dewey, after uh, breaking up like, uh, I don't think he did, he did Lepke Bullcalter. Uh, Murder Incorporated were prosecuted and shut yeah. down by Burton Turkis out of Bull Brooklyn. Yeah. But, you know, the numbers, like you go to play the daily numbers, that was a street thing. Yep. And and <clears throat> when I look at these record labels, you know, and and having the music played, you know, or, or sold on, on these sites, uh, I, it looks like, you know, the, the, the trinkling of coins from numbers runs right. being collected and brought to the bankers. Yeah. You know, because the house that collected all the money was known as the bank. Sure. You know? Yeah. And then we go to uh, we go to Adult Crash, and that was like, what, a French label? Uh, it wasn't a French label. It was like... Fe- what was it? Uh, Futurist, Fu- right? Fu- no, Fierce? that was later. F- something... Oh, fuck, fuck. I can't remember offhand, but it was a European what label. What the f- fuck? They go- wanted us to be, like... Uh, you know, more like Biohazard at the time, because Biohazard was hot. And, oh, you know, yeah. We were trying, you know, Mikey was already out of the band. We were going as a four piece at that time, and we were expanding our sound. Because if you listen to Born to Expire, that's more of a hardcore album with some metal tones. Oh, without a doubt. Desperate Measures is a metal album with a hardcore attitude. So then by the time we got to Adult Crest, we were trying to expand ourselves. It was futurist. All right. Yep. And we didn't get it right until Open Mouth Kiss. That's why Fucking there's only such a like banging record. You know, four songs, five songs are really what people like from Adult Crash, and the other songs to them are filler. You know what I mean? Uh, but at least we kept pushing the envelope, and we kept, you know, putting our balls on the table and, and taking on the challenge. Right. And if you got it, you got it. If you didn't get it, hey, maybe next time, Jim. Yeah. You know. 
I think it's great. I, you I know, mean, if I'm not into it to 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 do my own thing and feel my own satisfaction creating and singing this stuff, then how do I really project that to an audience and expect to win them over? You true. know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of dudes and their bands do pander to the audience more than they're willing to reveal their true art. True. You know yeah, what I mean? So I think it's, so. It's always that mix and match. It's like whatever works, all right, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type shit. Well, that's why there's bands out there doing the same fucking set for 20 years. Yeah. And they're afraid to do something new because they know they're old and irrelevant if they were to create now for the audience that's listening to them. Because a lot of this audience that is following most of these New York bands are younger than the songs. Oh, without a doubt. You know what I mean? So sure. You, you think about that. And uh, I think a lot of them are just afraid of trying to make that move. And if they feel... If they fail at it, they get knocked off the pedestal, so to speak. You know what I mean? They don't get to be king of the mountain anymore. Right. You know? Yeah. I get it. So, I mean. And, and, then, and then, so so what happened with that? What happened with Futurist? You just said fuck it or whatever? It just Or was it like another transition into the next? Pan, another transition. And, and, and then, then there was Fierce Recordings, which is open mouth kiss. Yeah. And Fierce, like, kind of bellied up a matter of months you know, after the release, so, you know... Another fucking shot. Open Mouth Kiss was just in limbo, like it was out there. You know, you could see some shows, like, uh, when the Fuse Box up in Albany was called the QE2, is a good show um, covered on YouTube from that time period, you know, with oh, yeah? the, a lot of those songs. If you, if you go looking for it on YouTube, you can find it. You know, and where was that again? Search words, I guess, would be leeway QE two. Okay. You know, like Queen Elizabeth two. Gotcha. And I remember, and I still, I have one, and I, I have to be one of not that many people that have one, but I have the first DVD of the series that you did way back in the day, Eddie Leeway's Haunted Hardcore. I wanted that to work out, but because I, I have one of them things, <laughs> I, I was trying to work with a friend who didn't have his shit together. I'll leave it at that. And then this other guy weaseled his way into me trying to ingratiate himself and want to manage me. And, uh, you know, we got this proposal from uh, Crash Music, which was uh, the guy that used to have another label. And the claim to fame on that fucking label was like Flotsam and Jetsam. (laughs) And he was a shady character. But I didn't figure it out at the time. We went to sit down and we review what we needed to change. And uh, stupid me, I initialed the fucking thing. And, and you know, that that concluded it as like a, a done deal. And this guy just put out a very half-assed product because my friend was supposed to write the DVD, but he couldn't do it. I even fucking gave him my computer for three weeks to fucking make this happen. And he still didn't. So he gave it to his friend who was from Europe. I won't say which country because I'm not trying to snab him. Right. But the guy didn't even know how to spell the word live. No shit. So it was written at that when the DV was del- DVD was delivered, it was really half-assed and misspelled. So it had to get... This guy cleaned all of that up and still released it. And really, nobody bought the fucking thing. Hmm. And uh, I got I, one. I'm glad that they, <laughs> they didn't. You know what I mean? And, and this is just the fucked up thing about it. You know, 
you try to work with people and and you know it's supposed to be a good plan and idea but you Somewhere realize that all these other wall. people are just half assing and aren't delivering what they promised and then there's one guy who's holding the purse strings it's just a fucking cheap fat fuck yeah. you know what i mean yeah and, and, and you just get cheated and cheated and cheated. Well, that's why now I'm happier controlling everything on a much more uh, micromanaged control level. Yeah. And keeping it very in-house because you know what? I don't care that I'm with this one or that one and I'm, I'm getting out to bigger people because mm-hmm. I just don't fucking trust them. Mm-hmm. Century Media still owes me fucking money. From Shadows Fall covering Market of Squealer. No shit. None of these motherfuckers can play a straight game of fucking poker, man. It's fucking crazy. So I forgot that they did Market of Squealer. I thank God that this industry is falling apart for all labels like that. And that they're barely staying afloat. Yeah. And that they, they, they have to fucking turn tricks in the back of the fucking office. Yeah. To stay afloat. Yeah. You know. I'll keep sucking that dick because I ain't coming back. Right. You know, um, it was the same shit with Marauder. You know, I spent $1,000 getting their contract transcribed and they wouldn't reimburse me and they expected me to sign away half my publishing. And, and I've said this before, my reply to them was, next time I ejaculate, make sure you get under it. Right. <laughs> and that was that. You know what I mean? And I thought, you know, when Shadows Fall came to me and their frontman Brian Fair, you know, (laughs) keyword fair, I thought things were going to be fair. But, you know, here we are again. And I'm sure changed again for for my part and contribution and publishing to a song. Right. I mean, you know, it, it, it just never ends. So... Having the control now and doing it on a smaller level, at least I know who my fan base is. Right. And at least I know who is getting, you know, tuned in. Right. Both with the music and they're supporting me with the podcast, too. Right. Because, you know, just being on a privatized site. Yeah. I'm averaging between 4,100 and 4,800 listeners every week. Right. And I'm only seven episodes in. Right. You know? So, you know, it's there, and and I'm happier. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's just that easy, folks. It doesn't have to be so fucking cutthroat and so shyster-like. It really doesn't have to be that way, man. Right. You know, I don't understand why motherfuckers have to make it so difficult. Yeah, I don't know, man. Because you know what? People, are, people always have their own little agendas. People have their own little fucking... Hidden fucking agenda. Well, everybody wants to be a rock star on some level. It's like the ego through social media and everything else. Like oh, this. don't even get me started. Just every 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 the whole fucking every thing. podcast lately, I've been fucking railing on social media and how much I fucking hate it. And but it's a necessary evil. It is a necessary. It's evil. necessary if you want to get your shit out there. But I fucking hate it. But you know the way I see it, you know, let them play checkers. Yeah. 
you and I will play chess. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. While they're sleeping, we're up thinking. Right. You know what I mean? And yep. that's the only thing you can do. Yeah, people you ask know? me all the time because they see, like, all the shit that I do. And, and I've gotten hit up several times, like, dude, like, don't you sleep? Yeah. I'm like, I do, but I use my time wisely. Yeah. Like, if I see a window up, yeah, am I tired? I'm always fucking tired. So am I going to be tired sitting in the house doing nothing, or am I going to be tired doing shit? Yeah. So... I mean, I came out here. Not that I gave a fuck. I didn't care. I jumped on a fuck. I went to fucking Port Authority, jumped on a bus, walked a few, you know, a few blocks. All right, now we're here. All right, so what? Well, God bless GPS and everything else. Maybe oh, yeah. Five years ago, be a little bit more difficult. It and- would have been. But it's all good, man. Like, I don't give a shit. I drive all over the place to do this stuff. It's like, why the fuck not? What else am I going to do? I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home and take a shower and shave and fucking wash my ass and go to sleep anyway. Exactly. So what if it's a couple hours later? Exactly. Who gives a fuck? Okay. You know, I'll I'll do maybe some merch. I'll talk to some people online. Yeah. I got my baseball cards on eBay. There you go. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm always doing a little bit of something, picking up some stagehand work or, or doing some light interior construction, like painting and plastering. You know, uh, would I rather be in Virginia Beach with Carolee and the kids? Yes. Yeah, right. Yes, no doubt about it. But, you know, because shit fell apart in November... And it was a real journey over the last 60 to 90 days to put everything back in order. You know, um, I'm spending more time up here than I am down there. Right. You know, and it's what has to get done. You know what I mean? If I want to enjoy the spring and summer the way I really want to enjoy those seasons, then I have to be up here getting shit done. Yeah, now. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I'm on a very, very tight calendar right now. And, um... You know, it, it's it's going to be really difficult to get these releases that we're planning out there. I've made some personnel changes because... Yeah, what do you got in the works as far as new Leeway NYC music? Well, I can't really discuss that right now, but once... once fuck it, I'm going to give up the ghost. We're going to record a live album with songs from the first two albums. Awesome. Since you can't get... Open uh, once expired decimal measures on iTunes and Spotify. Right, they can't stop me from re-recording these songs live. Okay, they, they, there's no stipulations with that shit. No, as long as we do the right thing with publishing, right? You know, the, the powers that be on the recordings to the right. first two okay. albums. Yeah, I don't know. That's the why they like can that, control so. it gotcha. and decide to shut it down. You know, right. and AJ just did not go through the proper channels and tried to do it behind their back. Right. Now, this is a different way. There's a lot of bands that have done this, like uh, take just a regular rock band like Squeeze. Right. You know, they re- recorded all their hits right. from that like singles uh, compilation that they did. And it sounds exactly like back in the day. Right. You know or you could do mean? something like what fucking what like Typo Negative did, like not live at Brighton Beach, where they were in the studio and it sounded like. And it sounded like they were live. They would have like these effects and exactly. shit. Exactly. And then you exactly. fucking bang it out in the studio. You could do it seventy style too. Yeah. And absolutely. you know we pondered all of these ideas, and uh, you know because people already tried to do things the wrong way. Mm-hmm. They can't say I can't now. Right. But I'm going to be doing it with the proper parameters and within legal right. Right. Yeah, because you don't want to put all that work in and then get fucked again, bro. We've done our homework. Yeah. Why do you think I came back as Leeway NYC? Of course. You see how all the bands are fighting over the band name. Oh, yeah. Uh, we won't even talk about New York. Let's go to Black Flag as an example, right? Okay. Leeway NYC. I'm not trying to be Leeway. Right. I'm Leeway NYC. Right. That's it. Yeah. 
How about that? How about that? You know? How you like that? We're over here now. You know, I, I watch and learn. Yeah. Like I said, y'all are playing fucking checkers. I'm playing chess. That's it. You know? Yeah. And you'll fucking, and you'll do it and it'll be dope. And you re, you release it yourself. You don't have to fucking deal. Well, if you're talking with upstate, maybe upstate will fucking. No, it's, it's all in play. Yeah. It's all in play. You know, thankfully I have a team behind me that, that believes in what we're going to do in the future and everything else, because this is not a game you can do just by yourself. No, absolutely it not. It takes a fucking team. And that's really where the struggle is, you know, you know, take like the average band, for example. There's one guy doing the majority of the work. Right. There's one or two that are lazy as fuck. Right. And there's the other one that really wants to help, but is a little inept or, or <laughs> right. is too occupied with something else. Right. So and, and this is normally the norm, almost like as like every band is like a different version of Spinal Tap. Right. You know, so, you know, when you're in this team setting, you need to make sure that everybody understands their position, you know, and this is why I've been trying to build a group of musicians around me because, you know, a lot of these guys at their age, they have lives and families. So they can't go out as much as I want them. Right, so at least you have a squad where you can pick, oh, can you do exactly. it? Exactly. Right. It's That's like cool. picking a starting lineup. Oh, my, you know, my main first baseman has a hamstring. So, you know, I got to bring somebody off the bench for fucking three weeks. There you go. You know, or I got to trade for somebody. Right. You know, and and that's that's all I can do. That's all I can do. And And it's fun. It's challenging. You know, sometimes... It doesn't work, but most of the time it does. Right. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, it's just like a batting average. You know, if you if you're doing it a strong percentage of the time, you know, you're all right. You're all right. Yeah. You know, things happen, but you have to learn to roll with the punches every fucking day with this game. Yeah. So I got to ask you, anything going on or what's the deal with truth and rights? Nothing at the moment. Uh, you know, I think when Enoch and I start working together, this is going to be my next project and stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got a great deal of love with Ray and Zach, and I'm still in touch with them. Yeah. And I have invited them to come in and have a powwow and, and, and see where we can do or what can we do. And, uh, you know, for all I know, maybe Ray's the guy I end up collaborating with the next Leeway AP with. Right. You know, and then Enoch and I have this other idea and agenda that we want to try to go for, you know, because he's a he's a prolific writer. Yeah. I mean, he's like a Prince or Stevie Wonder. He can play any fucking musician instrument and, and, and he can sing, you know, so he has music already that he's turning me on to to get familiar with and learn. Right. And, you know, I had this idea, like like I said, with these 70 songs and rearranging them and turning them into something intense, it might be a whole different separate project for yeah. me to rock with. That's cool. You know? The idea, too, that we're both high on is once we can start getting ourselves started, we're going to look for a residency in Manhattan where we can maybe do an acoustical show okay. once a week. That's dope. You know, I I would love to do that. It gives me the opportunity to, uh, you know, take that challenge on and do a completely different vocal range than maybe I necessarily do in, in this leeway project. Yeah, you know? without a doubt. You could sing like a songbird. 
Well, I got lucky with that after breaking my neck. And, and you have a, you have a legitimate dead person's fucking bone in your yeah. in your neck. I'm more death metal than Scandinavia and Florida combined. There you go. You know, two cadaver vertebrae and a metal hinge behind my esophagus. I had to relearn doing all of it. But the thing is, it's like I I've learned and have been established. Confirmed, and now I am a card-carrying singer of the blues. I, I can emote. I can give you joy and pain through my voice. I can tell you a story, and I can really touch people. You know, so that that is what, like I said, is is one of the one gifts. And one of the only things I feel like I got right in life consistently. Right. You know, I definitely didn't get the business end right. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes and bad choices in my life. So yeah, I think we all have. Yeah. But this, you know, music thing still gives me something and a, and a will to live and thrive and feel young. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I always kid around. I feel like, you know, the Peter Pan of New York hardcore. You know? <laughs> yeah, and let's not let's not kid ourselves. NYHC is turning AARP. <laughs> you know, yeah. so you know if the fact that you know through like Drew, Drew Stone's uh, documentary and everything else, this genre called New York hardcore has been recognized as a true phenomena and part of musical history. Of course. You know, will hands we, down, without a doubt. Will any of us get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Eh, I don't know. Maybe the Bad Brains eventually. Well, they deserve to be. They you absolutely know? do. They are the Beatles of our genre, you know? And and if they can't get recognized, well then fuck the stuffy old birds that are yeah. up in the towers. We don't need them, man. Right. Because we are in the underground. We're not being stopped. We're in every corner of the globe. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's impossible to stop us. You know what I mean? It's almost like a Guy Fawkes mask. You know, one will <laughs> pop up anywhere and anywhere. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's fucking crazy, man. It is crazy. It's a fucking bizarre thing if you sit and really think about where it came from and what it is now. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. It, I'm like uh, my 38th year since my first show, right? That's nuts. And, and, and to know that... When was your first show? It was like 1981. No shit. Yeah. And what was the name of your band? Well, it wasn't I wasn't Leeway. in a band. In fact, oh, that was like, the first show that you ever went to. Yeah, I was a wallflower for a few years. In Queens, I Where was... Where was this first show? Uh, two plus two, I think. Do you remember who was on the bill? Kraut. Okay. Um, I really can't remember that many other bands, but then I started going to A7 shows. Right. And I wouldn't even hang out so much at the A7 shows other than, you know, across the street in the park or, you know, one of the corner pubs over there. Yeah. But I'm so burnt half the time I can't remember when it, you know, what the place was. I always need to get reminded. Of course. But um, it's just a trip because, like, you know, at 16, I started, you know, breaking night after I got turned on to this music. It was a very interesting year for me. I moved back to New York the same night John Lennon was shot and killed. So that's like Fuck. December 5th, 1980. Yeah. So 81, you know, I'm out there. Uh, you know, I'll see celebrities in Manhattan when I'm cutting school. And, you know, hey, Rod Stewart, can I get your autograph? And they just push you aside like you're unimportant. Yeah. But then I get turned on to this story of sound 
through like Ernie Parada and Johnny Steigerwald with Gilligan's Revenge turned token entry. Token entry, yeah. And I go to my first show, and who rolls up in a fucking van but Gary Miller, Dr. No, and he just starts talking to people. And, you know, by then, you know, the bad brains were fucking like the biggest thing since sliced bread to yeah. me. And this guy is sitting here talking with everybody and anybody. Yeah. It was such a night and day, it, it immediately sold me. Yeah, that's a big selling point with me, too. Because, like, like I said before, like I was, I was like this metalhead. And, you know, I grew up listening to, you know, like before I found your fucking band that night at Lamore's. Mm -hmm. You know, I was listening to the early Metallicas and the Exodus and the Violence and the Testament and all that kind of shit. And they were playing arenas and they were playing big, huge places because it was so big and it's like, you know, you're looking up at them and two you're down there. Worlds. Two different worlds. But two then it's like, egos. yeah, it's like, I remember like I went to the last Thrash Bash. I never met the guy before in my life ever and I'm walking by the back bar and I like, I kind of bumped into him and I looked up and it's fucking the giant. It's fucking Pete Steele. Yeah. And I was like, yo, sorry. He's like, no, it's all right, man. Like, like, cheers. Like, yo, no problem, man. Like, <laughs> it's all good, buddy. And it's like, yo, it's like he wasn't a dick. Yeah. You know? So it's just like, all right. I expected something right. other, but it was. That's just... the carnivore guy, and now that's a, that was the night where they actually announced that they're not Sub Zero anymore. They're the type community. Of... Everybody's good. You're here being a part of this phenomenon. That means like you're doing something right. Yeah. You know, you're you're in this with us. You know, uh, within a year of that, like by '82, I'm doing Grandmaster Flash covers at a local bar in Astoria, while like guys like Russell Igley, who was like a amateur skater before he joined Murphy's uh, Law and Underdog, yeah. and Jimmy Drescher are coming down and we're drinking beers at the pyramids and skating and talking, you know, hardcore and stuff like that. And then like by 84, me and AJ formed Leeway. And by 86, we, we've been given this opportunity to play Rock Hotel and get a record deal. And when did you put out the Enforcer demo? The Enforcer demo was 85. 84, we did a regular demo. It was really, really untalented, you know, but it just showed where we started. Sure. And then you hear the progression into the Enforcer demo, and then you hear the true progression with Born to Expire, with the right studio, all the practice we put in, because we were a fucking hardworking band. We were rehearsing up to three days a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were putting that time and energy in while a lot of lot other bands were just having fun with it. Yeah. But by 85 and 86, things got, you know, serious and, you know, egos started being built. And then other people started coming into this phenomena and everything else. And then the labels really started tuning into it. And it, 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 it grew out of the underground onto MTV. Yeah. You know, and... uh it was a wrap from there. Yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about the New York hardcore scene. It, it really, I'm not going to say like dissolved by 89, but every band had their own agenda. Right. And there were clans, you know, sure. I mean, a couple of bands or, or a handful of bands would be tied in one place. And then you had yeah. straight edge bands in the other clique. Yeah. Some bands weren't even recognizing with just straight misfits and weren't getting any love right. from the audiences at CB shows. And no, stuff there's like a lot that. of bands that just fell to the wayside, the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 
it's just crazy to see like what almost 40 years of punk rock in New York and you know the the the, the melding into hardcore from 80 into 81 you know that originally started from punk rock and we're not talking Malcolm McLaren's punk rock because Malcolm McLaren cultivated this culture to sell fucking clothes and to sell basically a very bratty, rebellious rock and roll through the Sex Pistols. Right. And how that became some phenomena that really the world looked at, you know, through the glass, like they, they were afraid to touch it. And then hardcore was the American form of punk rock. Yeah. And it was angry kids. And it wasn't about so much musicianship. It's like, just pick up the instrument, pick up that mic, and, and let it and all let it the out. fuck out. Yeah. You know, and, and from five years there, it turns into a commodity. Sure. And then the labels come in. And then, then there's that next level of development and uh Projection, I guess, where everybody really starts working and honing their craft and establishing a sound. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy how it all happened. And uh, through all my shenanigans and shit, I'm amazed I'm still here getting to be a part of it. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm not supposed to be here by the grace of a higher power. All of these fucking moments that could have taken me out of the box, but I found a way to fucking bob and weave and, and you know, get my own fucking licks in. Here I am. Yeah. You know? So, uh... Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad, and I'm sure a hell of a lot of other people are glad that you're still here, man. You know? If, if, if I, I get the, I get the uh, love and respect. You do. I don't get that many haters. The the ones that do hate me, it's obviously that it's on some envious level. Right. Or they don't, just don't understand or get me. That's usually what it is. The haters either, either have the wrong fucking idea, or they get misinformation, or they don't know the whole story, or they're just fucking jealous and they're envious. My true drug years were before the internet... So most of these guys, when they want to talk about my drug addiction and past, they can't even get my drug of choice right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and even if you can, you're not telling me anything fucking new. Right. You, what do you think? I, I, I don't have a thick skin. I've got a fucking armor on. Yeah. You think I got this far? Yeah. Being a fucking babe in the woods, a fucking snowflake? Right. Fuck out of here, man. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Without a doubt. And, it is what and if they is. fucking listened or read the lyrics to your songs, they could probably fucking figure out what that is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's pretty much right there if you fucking pay pay attention. And, and I'm modest and humble. I don't, you know, I have an ego where I'm confident of what I do when I get up there and perform. I'm confident of what I do. But I don't think I'm the fucking, you know, anything special. You know, just because I'm on a stage and I'm above people doesn't mean I am above them. Right. I'm any higher than them. I never gave a motherfucker that attitude. Right. You know, but if you come at me wrong or something like that, you're going to go to get that attitude. Right. But like I said, I, I get a lot of love and respect and it's reciprocated. You know, anybody that reaches out to me, you know, through Instagram, that's the easiest way for me to reply with them. And, you know, as long as we're, you know, on the same wavelength and there's respect, yeah. you know, there, there's no reason for me not to talk to you. Right. You know what I mean? I'm, you know, I'm not some person, you know, that has, has 
people outside the studio waiting for me to come out. You know what I mean? That's just not what this world is about. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Music. And plus, if you're still doing that shit, like, isn't high school over? Yeah. Like, isn't fucking high school a long fucking time ago? What are you doing? You know what I mean? Grow I the see fuck the fuckery up. of today's artists. Like, you take a look at that, like, Aaron Carter kid and all the noise that you see in news on, on YouTube about yeah. him being out of his head. You know what I mean? Or or the shit he went through as a child artist and is all fucked up now. It's like, you don't get to become that in hardcore because if you walk that walk, your, your ass gets knocked the fuck down, man. Yeah. And, and you either change or you're out of the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that shit just doesn't float. But when you're on that mainstream phenomena world... It's like that's a it, different. It's crazy, fucking, yeah. and it's crazy, and you see all these YouTube guys that have their own little page, and they sit there, you know, talking, pontificating about this news and that news. You know, everybody wants to be somebody, but everybody can't be. You nope, know, it's a crazy fucking world, man. Yeah, without a doubt. Really crazy. Can we take a pause? I want to have a cigarette real quick. Yeah, let's pause. I'm trying to quit, gang. We'll be right back, and we're back from. Eddie smoking a cigarette. And we're back! We're back! It's like, it's like we were never even gone. Um, all right, so to take it back once again real quick, um, earlier in this episode, but, you know, it was, it was funny that you had to put a Dutch, a Dutch Schultz reference in there, but um, it made me think that didn't you used to do... What was it? It was like a... Was it... It was like a mafia... It was, it was a Like walking, walking tour, but like... For what exactly? It was just all basically mob-related, no? I used to call it original gangsters because at the time there really weren't that many out there. There were a couple. Right. All and around had, New York City? Yeah, and I had Time Out magazine putting me in their calendar. Right. Steady. I remember I remember that. So it was called Original Gangsters. It was a three-hour walking tour. I used to charge everybody, mainly tourists, 25 bucks a pop. Cash in an envelope, right. wink, wink. You yeah, know what I mean. Of course. And and I would take them, and then towards the last leg, while we were in Little Italy, I would take them to a cafe that used to be owned by Eli Zaccardi. He was a major loan shark in the Genovese family, the West Side Boys. One day, uh, what cafe was it? Uh, cafe Roma. Okay. You know, so I used to take them there for coffee and a biscotti. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, one day Eli in nineteen seventy eight. Got a phone call and had to go out and meet somebody. He never returned. Uh. And what's trippy about Cafe Roma, it looks like they left the place exactly the same, you right. know, the exact way it was when Eli left that day. The only thing that's changed is fucking cash registers. Sick, you know I mean? sick. Wait, where, 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 is it, where is it located? Because I, I have it pictured in my head. So it's like Mulberry and is it Kenmore? Okay. All right. Or spring. Okay. You know, obviously, I know the direction, and yeah. I just walk through it. Of course. Sadly, as I do it once in a blue moon, as like a private tour for people when they reach out to me, a lot of the locations, the true locations, are disappearing. Yes. Because I would close the tour where the five points once stood. Okay. And as you go down Mott Street, I would take them... To the Bloody Angle, which is Doria Street. It's a side street. And. Why was it called the Bloody Angle? Uh, the Bloody Angle because it was the bloodiest street in all of New York. 
up until that point, so much uh, gang fighting, and, and at the turn of the century, as the Chinese were coming in, those gangs would do a lot of like cutting each other to kill. Right. You know, but then there's you know there was certain characters like Mock Duck, who used to use pistols. He would close his eyes and spin while shooting rounds off, like Crazy. in circular motion. Yeah. But uh, Doyer Street was where a lot of the battles were fought and settled. And the Anliang Tang, it's spelled O-N-L-E-O-N-G, Tang, T-O-N-G, um, that location was still in existence a few years ago with the woodwork from, from oh, no the original shit. and everything else. And this is other locations, too, that was still in existence. They're slowly eroding. But I could still t take people through these sites. I could show them where Crazy Joe Gallo was actually killed. Yeah, Umberto's Clam House. Because Umberto's today... Is a different spot. Exactly. Yeah. And you can see where it was on Hester and Mulberry because on the corner, if you look on the concrete of the sidewalk, yep. you could see that they filled in Umberto's. Yes. Because it was, you know, Matty the Horse Ionello's spot with his brother. They... They owned Umberto's at the time. Matty died a few years ago, but he was a gangster with the Genovese's yeah. through and through until the end, you know. And it's a lot of fun, man. Like, you know, man, just I, I, I know a lot of those spots. Like, I do this whole thing that, I mean, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but Danny Boy from House of Pain mm -hmm. started this thing called Danny Boy DB Delta Bravo, the Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Team. Got it. So... It's like, I'm like the New York City guy. I mean, there's a whole bunch of us, but yeah. like, I'm like the New York guy. There's Boston, there's Philly, there's out in fucking Albuquerque, New Mexico, where they do all the breaking bears. So we go and we, we find, like, I went to like, even like something as simple as going to St. John's Cemetery, and there's 90,000 mobsters in there. Everybody yeah. from fucking, from Lucky Luciano to John Gotti to Vito Genovese, everybody. And St. Michael's, you got Columbo yeah. and, and others. Yeah, I got, yeah I got pictures of all that. I saw all their gravesites. When Carmine got out of, Carmine Galante got out out of prison, he yep. blew the doors off of fucking Columbo's yep. mausoleum. Yep, right? I um, to make a point. I, I went to his grave. The only person that I don't have, I know it's in St. John's, and I know this at Section 25, and I walked up and down, but I can't find Maranzano's fucking grave. Really? It's there. But yeah. I, maybe I walked past and you would it. I think it's ostentatious. It's not. It's a re it's a regular tombstone. Really? Yeah. Because it's it's not like it's not Profaci. It's not Costello with the mausoleums. It's not fucking Luciano. None of that. Now here's the trick. You just brought the name up. I didn't talk about it until you know just over the last few years. But my father was in the life. Okay. You know. Um, yeah, I know. I have close people that I used to be. Uh, uh, so my yeah. <laughs> my dad grew up in Greenpoint, around like Profaci's younger, the olive oil king. Greenpoint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and from that neighborhood, you know, my uncle Henry and my uncle Ross. And as my dad matured and met my mom, he he was a film editor for WOR Channel Nine. And he maintained that job for the longest time into the 70s. I remember being four years old in like 1969, literally being on the set of Romper Room. 
you know, no kid shit. show. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know it, I know and it. Bozo the Clown had a fucking, you yeah, know, soundstage studio. I always thought it was crazy. The mascot from the Romper Room was a bumblebee, and its name was what? I can't remember. Don't bro, ask me. It's from the <laughs> 70s, so it's a bumblebee, and its name was Doobie, bro. Oh, shit, go figure. The bumblebee's name was Doobie <laughs> on a kid's show in the 70s. Heavy. <laughs> but my dad, even though he was holding down this legit film, Edited a job by night he had a tow truck company and an auto collision company out of Astoria called Copo okay it was the blueprint to today's modern day chop shop okay my father helped cultivate that thing but he also did a lot of wild shit he was considered a cowboy yeah and he never got really recognized right. by the LCN figures right you know even though on the streets he was known as Eddie the Beard right you know my dad robbed serious drug dealers and shit like that he really got off the chain after a while and became a drug addict because here he is trying to stay up all night working the uh, auto collision company and then trying to get to work in the morning and then taking shit to try to put himself to sleep. Yeah. By 1973, my father looked like pretty much a hell's angel. He had the long hair all back, mm -hmm. full beard. His arms were sleeved. You know, I've got pictures where it's like, my sister's communion, my baby sister, she uh, has a bandage on her arm because she got burned. And we're all dressed up in our suits, my mom and dad. And that was like the end of the family fabric. Right. The life destroyed my family. Yeah. And it was a whole other world that sure. you know, we went through. And I identify with that. Had a lot 100%. to do with my dysfunction and everything else. But I couldn't help the fascination of organized crime. Same here. And, you know, I've, over this lifetime of mine, I've amassed a library of over 125 books, but have read must have more like two to 250 of them. Yeah. You know, and you have to read more than one book on a particular person or oh, case sure. to get the real answer, because sometimes these so-called writers would they embellish. embellish. Yep, exactly. You That's the word I, mean? I was thinking of, yeah. You take Donny Caprio, who did the book on Joe, Joe Colombo. Colombo. He did a fabulous job. I didn't read it. I have to read it. You have to, yes. Because he, he delves into the three theories of who killed Joe. Right. It's not just Joe Gallo, but there's also um, the FBI, they think. Yeah. Uh, but there's also... They think Gambino did it because Gambino wanted a piece of the Italian-American League right. and the proceeds that Joe was taking in. Right. Because, you know, whether, you, whether people want you to believe it was all a scam and it was him just looking for attention or he really started thinking of himself as like a community activist and leader and he was trying to be genuine... Somebody wanted him stopped the same way they stopped the Kennedys, yeah. Martin Luther King, and all the others. Yeah, you know, and uh, it, it's it's a great book. Donnie did a phenomenal job on that, and we were talking about it on uh, Diablo's Den episode yeah. number nine too. 
Yeah, I got to. Uh, I, I have out. to pick that up, and I definitely have to read it. I saw that he did it, and I saw that you know I saw all about it, but I never, I never picked it up and read it. Yeah, from what I understand, he's doing something in Atlantic City in April for like the they have like a mob convention. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's called Mob Movie Con, and it's at Harris in Atlantic City. There you go. Rich Five, the singer for Caught in the Trap. Mm-hmm. He's also R&D Tattoo. He's going to be tattooing there. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, my friend Anthony Gutter, Gutter Christ Productions, he's going to be vending a spot there. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll probably most likely be there. Solid. Yeah, I know that there's a few people. There's like Chi-Chi from Scarface is going to be there. Manolo from Scarface is going to be there. They, they, they made a few announcements of some dope people that are, that are going to be there. Oh, what's what's Manolo's name? Stephen Bauer. Stephen Bauer. Yeah, I got to shake that guy's hand, man. I grew up on that movie. I told him I was in sanitation. Yeah, not sanitarium. No, no, I told you to tell him <laughs> you were in a sanitarium. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. There's somebody. I gotta meet Manolo, man. bro. I gotta just shake his hand. You believe that? Cause Sosa said so. Yeah. You bought that line? Yeah, it's fucking great. It's such a classic. Oh man, it's the best. So now, now back to like you were saying before. Watch that. Watch what I do here. All right. Where, where you 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 know you're saying how all these places down in Little Italy they're all disappearing and shit and that made me think because I was on one of my Delta Bravo missions looking for spots mm-hmm. and I wanted to take a picture of in the window of what was it the Italian the Italian American Heritage Museum or something on the corner yeah well that's where Bruno San Martino donated his championship belt and it was on display in the window really yes it was actually right down the block remember the movie Mean Streets yeah. Well, right down the block, and the they, they, they walk past a gun store. Harvey Keitel and De Niro walk past a gun store, and I did that thing with, you know, I, I took a picture of the spot, and this was filmed here, and the gun is actually still hanging. It's re- literally like three doors down from where that museum used to be, and I went there to take a picture of Bruno San Martino's belt because it was like the anniversary of his death, yeah. and the fucking whole place was a fucking hole in the ground. Yeah. So now, speaking of Bruno San Martino and his championship belt... Weren't you involved in something or going to get involved with something with an underground wrestling thing? Uh, <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> you put me on the spot. Well, <laughs> uh, man, it, this was really fucked up. You know, I, I, I got scammed, folks. I got scammed. Um, somebody that I've worked with before, did some shows with and everything else. Um... <sighs> brought something to my attention one day when he reached out to me. Now, mind you, this guy, and I'm not giving up the ghost, yeah, like don't I give said up, yeah, in don't my podcast, names. you know, this guy has a lot of people angry with him now, right now, because he's pulling a great deal of fuckery, ripping off people, talking a lot of mad shit and everything else. He reached out to me and asked me about, like, uh... You know, a licensing, a licensing thing to use the leeway's music for a wrestling event. Now, as a kid, I watched wrestling. Me too. You know, I watched San Martino. He was huge in New York in the mid seventies. Oh, sure. Who knew that he was like he came to America as an immigrant and was yeah. from Pitts. 
Pittsburgh when he, he was moved selling out, out the yeah. garden. I don't know how many times he sold out the garden hundreds of times. But since the 60s, yeah. it was like 15 years. He was the baby face yeah. in New York. Absolutely. Man's thing. People don't realize that. That that mm-hmm. one guy sold out Madison Square Garden I don't know how many fucking times. The Grand Wizard oh, and yeah. superstar Billy Graham is like sure. the top heels with Ken Patera. Yep. You know, and this is before like uh you know, Morocco and Jimmy Superfly yep. Snooker, who was really trying to break in, in, in the South at the time. Yeah, in the territory days. You know, I yep. loved that old period. Oh, me too. The 80s, I didn't like. Now, I may not have liked originally, like, characters like Razor Ramon and a lot of the right. 80s style McMahon, but he was trying to turn it into a kid show. Right. And, and more family oriented then, right? And and you know, I, I well, that started becoming a commodity too. But it was obvious these guys were like coked out of their fucking. Oh, lives everybody was else. off the rails. Sure. So you fast forward into nowadays, and and for the last few years, I've been watching their interviews with Scott Hall. Yeah. I used to see Jake the Snake every Sunday night at the Rock and Roll Church at Limelight. Yeah. You How that I mean? guy is still alive is a fucking miracle in and of itself. Me too, B. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's not like I did so much dope, but, you know, it's like I was doing dope every day for years, you yeah. know what I mean? Trying to get better and everything else. Right. But these guys getting all caught up and hearing their interviews and hearing the lingo and everything else. I was like, this is just like being in the music business. Right. It's entertainment. Yeah. Their, their talent, artists being exploited just like we are. Yeah. Even though they were making more money. Right. But just blowing it on the wrong shit. Oh, fuck yeah. You know? What are you going to say? I was going to say, because you said Jake the Snake and Limelight, and I'm sitting here with you, and it just came back to me. And I've told this story to several people, and when I was still talking to my sister, it was it would still come up every now and then in conversation. Mm-hmm. We were at the Limelight. You were there, because, and we were in the back, like right by the shampoo room. There was that back bar by the shampoo room. Mm-hmm. This was, had to be, I don't know, 90... I don't know. This had to have been like 92... 90 throws of hell. Something like that. Rock and roll church. 90 throw of hell. Yeah, it was was a Sunday, and I was really high. I was dusted out of my face, and I'm standing by the bar, and you came up, and I was like, yo, what's up? And you were always cool with me, even back then. I don't even... You probably don't even remember this at all, but I remember it because... I'll tell you why. Okay. Now, you came over, you walked by, I was like, yo, what's up? And we started talking. I don't really remember the actual conversation because I was so fucking high, mm-hmm. but you were wearing a sick of it all, and I knew it was you. I knew it was you. Well, what's up, Eddie? Blah, blah, blah. So, but in my dusted mind, it was confusing me because as we were talking, I can't believe I'm actually telling the story. You were in front of me and we're bullshitting, and it would be confusing because you had a sick of it all scully beanie hat on you had the dragon on it so as i'm talking to you i know that i'm still talking to you but somewhere in my mind i'm like am i talking to lucola (laughs) 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 but i knew the whole time it was you but i was getting myself confused in my dusted self damn luke looks shorter than he did yeah that's why i was saying it was completely different but my sister was standing right there and then i guess the conversation you went on about your business and i did too and my sister was like yo you were talking you were just like because i was dusted so i was just like fucking mumbling Uh, maybe you were just entertaining me because i was talking with you who knows even i used to go i never told that story out loud i used to go to disco 2000 and and a lot of times between my dope days i was getting dusted Mm -hmm. at that and that was like more of uh what, what, what was it called back then 
It was more of a party drug. It was more of like a hallucinogen. Well, but but Disco 2000 was techno scene. Uh, oh, sure. The rave you know? thing. The yeah, whole rave, the whole rave vibe and everything else. And I used to go there bugging out for that. Oh, yeah. And that was a mad drug palace. Oh, In fact, fuck yeah. It was my favorite club the ever. The sons of LCN figures were running the limelight. Oh, I'm sure. That's why Steven Gation went on trial was because he was getting hit off by the sons of the LCN figures making mad buku bucks in yeah. that house. If you don't know what LCN by. is, it's La Cosa Nostra. Well, yeah, well, the, the La people Coca that are, Nostra, right. La Cosa Nostra. Yeah, but shout out to La Coca Nostra and Danny Boy and Slane and Il Bill and all guys, that. But yeah. <laughs> it's it's this thing of ours. I even use that expression, this thing of ours, for hardcore because that's how I think of hardcore. Right. Hardcore is a spirit and energy. It's not a sound or a musical style. It's a lifestyle, you know, just like how LCN figures call their thing the life. Right. You know what I mean? So, you yeah. know, little education there in case you didn't know. There you go. We're here smartening people up. Uh-huh. That's it. Uh-huh. But it, it, it's, it's just trippy how those worlds are so intertwined more than months. You know, uh, at one point, Jerry Cooney's uh, brother wanted to manage Leeway. No shit. Yeah, but once he found out I was locked up for fucking, you know, possession of heroin and, and stuff like that, and he realized he had a drug problem, he kind of pushed away from us. Yeah. You know, but he was a very unassuming guy. I don't know if it was brother or in-law or co- close cousin, but he was rel- he was related to Jerry Cooney at the time. And, uh, you know, it was like the beginning of the downfall for me going... You know, I was just very insecure. I was making a ton of money working in clubs at the time. I was bartending a tunnel as leeways blowing up. Oh, no shit. You know what I mean? I'm not even working 20 hours a week because my manager was hooking me up and putting me in the open bar parties. So I'd work like two hours and dip. So I'd be making 500 clear a week sure. in 1988, 89 money. And and not that's like putting, fucking tri- that's triple now. And I'm not even working ten hours. Right. Yeah, that's you know, true. Yeah, you trip, you could triple that now in twenty twenty money. And you know, young guy, you know, uh, virile, chasing yeah. a lot of girls. The drug of choice that I became addicted to was very tied into my, I guess, sex life. Right. And because I was so enveloped in my sex life, the drug came with it. And it was just a matter of months that I became a dope fiend. I was turned on to this drug in 85 by someone I looked up to, but it was only just to experience it. I saw what it was doing to destroy him. But then, like, when I was making all this money and I was living such a fucking high life, I was like, oh, what's 20 bucks of dope going to do, right? right? You know, and, and once I started going and getting it myself and crossing that line into the dark world and having the balls to go cop myself, yeah. I was off to the races and it just rolled up on me. I was locked up in the tombs Oof. Uh, around... 88, 89, dope sick when I finally realized I had a drug habit. Um, you know, I had four separate charges on me. They had me for uh, possession of um, an ounce of weed, chopped up for distribution, uh, possession of uh, 
brass knuckles, and we were getting arrested for a beatdown, so they called it assault and robbery. Right. You know? And, um, you know, that's when I realized I had a problem. And, you know, I skated into the 90s where I'd be able to kick for a little while until I fell back in. And then by 95, I was I was addicted and using every day for about two and a half years before I was like, enough is enough. I need treatment. Yeah. And, and luckily, even though the treatment should not have been the treatment I chose to do because detoxes weren't working, I would just sign myself out against doctor's orders and go back to getting high. Right. But, you know, it finally started taking for me in the year of 95, and I started working on my mental health issues, and it wasn't easy. It took a good 20 years to get all that shit together, man. Yeah, none of that shit is easy, man. I had my battles myself with booze and shit, so... I lost so much of my life from that, man. Who knows where I could be now musically if I had my shit straight. Right. But when you're caught up in circumstances and... You don't have this and you don't have that and you're barely surviving. You know, you end up so weak and vulnerable. You just wind up relapsing again and again. But by, by you know, 99, I moved out of New York for a while. I became a home health aide. I, I really started giving back to the, uh, you know, substance abuse treatment community Start, and then I moved back to New York and started working with a clinic out of Long Island with a phenomenal director. And, uh, you know, one of my mentors named Fred Marshall, he's no longer with us. We were doing high schools and we were talking to kids about shit. And I, I would tell them the stories about like how a one-armed guy tried to rip me off out of 20 bucks and I threw him down a flight of fucking stairs to get my money back. You know Fuck. what I mean? And, and just the crazy shit that, you know, there are people out there literally losing an eye or being killed over $10 worth of fucking dope. It's crazy. It was a sick yeah. fucking world, man. Yeah, man. You know, and, and the Lower East Side was no joke during those 80s. I could only imagine what it was like in the 70s. Oh, forget it. I, I even think back, like, I used to, I used to, like, the only fucking white boy in 1992 fucking Harlem, mm-hmm. you know, 92, the city was not fucking cute. You know what I mean? It was still fucking a war I was zone. up there because the dope on the Lower East Side wasn't holding me. I would go to fucking Cop Crazy Eddie Dust yeah. by myself on the A train at fucking 2 o'clock in the morning. And Red Devil was over there, too, in that one project. Yeah, I would, you know, and I used to four four knocks, and there was not three, there was not five, it was four knocks. Yeah, there was a code word, blah blah blah. Yeah, and then I'd be smoking on the train platform, and God only fucking knows how the fuck I got all the way back into Queens at the time where I was living, yeah, or wherever I was staying. I would actually use dust as like uh, an alternative to getting high on dope, like. You know, it was, I was trying to get away from that life so bad, and then I, re, you know, went back to like that kid life of getting dusted and yeah. stuff like that. It was the only drug that truly, truly tripped me the fuck out and altered my reality. Oh, it's fucking evil, bro. That shit is fucking no I went, joke. I went to a bachelor party upstate that was really fucking disgusting. Yeah. You know, with some really disgusting broads as the entertainment and everything. And I got so mad, Dustin, and as I was being drove back to New York, all of a sudden I turn around and I'm in the fucking pickup truck with Ed Gein. 
<laughs> Swear to God. I mean, it was my boy, but, like, for the rest of the ride back to New York, man, <laughs> I thought I was fucking driving with Ed Dean. Yeah, dude. Car, Yo, that shit. I was in the middle of the 50s, and yeah. I was with, whoa. You were with crazy. Ed Dean. <laughs> Yo, that shit will do that to you, man. Yo, people, I've told stories, and people, like, look at me like I'm full of shit. Yeah, they have no idea. But they have no idea. No idea. You were actually in there with fucking Ed Gein at that moment in your head. That was your reality. Yeah. Because that's what the dust did. And then, like, you know, you can't really walk no. far because you got heavy feet. Yeah. And you, it, you get confused. You get stuck. You get, yeah, it's all fucked up, bro. It's fucked up. It's crazy. But what's crazy is that now it's like I haven't smoked that shit in fucking decades. But I remember that shit. I can laugh at it now. I don't glorify that shit. But I had some crazy good times on it that I could look back and reflect and laugh. Because you survived it. Because I survived it. But I don't fucking recommend that shit to any fucking no, body. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. I mean, it was a different time and place for me. You know, we're talking about debauchery well, in the early 90s. Were, you know, it's literally you're going for broke. You feel so fucking invincible, invincible and sure. powerful. Yeah. And, like, you have this, like delusion in your head that you're so hard and you're so gangster. Right. Kind of like these fucking snowflake millennials trying to perpetrate yeah. the role today. Yeah. But all you have to do is give them one clap across the fucking head and yeah. reality sets in yeah. they're running to get a cop. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? They, don't, they realize all of a sudden they're not on the fucking internet and, yeah. and things that, change. Like the lingo and everything else just doesn't fucking settle the fucking dust. Right. Right. No pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking crazy, man. Yeah, so it's like, you know, you had the, finally had the balls to go cop. And, you know, it's like, I think back, I wouldn't fucking do that now. Yeah. I'm not well, going to go do that now. Back then it was crazy because there's many a times, like, I would go cop and then I would get ro robbed by, like, a fucking Rambo knife to my neck. You know, or yeah. have a gun put to my head and have yeah. to give up what I got I backed up a staircase in a in a Holland building with by four dudes with a screwdriver let asking let me alone, if I was a cop. Let alone getting busted by cops with guns drawn. Yeah, and they're nervous because there's only two of them and there's eighteen of you coming out of the building. Right. You know what I mean? And they're scared shit. Of course they are. Because now that you know, I had a cop choke me out once because I forgot that I had a needle in my fanny pack. Oh shit. And a razor, you know, to protect myself. And yeah. he got so mad because he was afraid, like, he could have cut himself. Right. And I could have been tainted with yeah. HIV or hep C. Yeah. Motherfucker choked me, man. Yeah. You know, he was so angry. And, and you know, that's where my whole record and being in and out of Rikers Island and being involved with that life was... was, was uh, an every week, every month thing. You know what I mean? Kind of like the real Jim Carroll book, The Basketball Diaries. I never I'd read wake the book. up so dope sick, and it was like either I'm going to get locked up today or I'm going to get that money and I'm going to get straight. And and you just went out there and did it, man. Yeah. You know, off the chain, not even thinking right. Just no, you're not thinking right. That's the whole thing. You're, whole, you're, you're on a different fucking plane of existence, dude. But, you know, you're just a... You're just a regular kid, man. You're not the silver surfer. No, no, you're not. You know, you, you can't really just fly through this shit unscathed and look shiny and bright. Yeah. You know, so I Pretty thank crazy. God that, you know, I've not been taken and that I'm still really a part of this world. And it, it's where my focus is to just keep 
forging as many positive experiences as I can. I can't make everybody happy, man. Right. I, I know that. You know, sometimes I have problems with a fucking merch order and somebody gets mad because I sent it, but, you know, they never got it. You know, right. most of the time I'm having the problem with the parcel theft. Right. And when it happens overseas... There's no tracking. I think there is now, but and it's you know, so expensive. Yo, it's like, it's like just to send like one T-shirt over. It's like I tell them no, I, because really, it's it's up to twenty five bucks. Yeah. And you buy a T-shirt from me for twenty. You're it's like fifty five dollars. You're spending more money to have it shipped, yeah. and then I have to make the value under twenty bucks, or the queen is going to charge them even more <laughs> yeah. for a tax the to pick queen. it fuck up. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's crazy. It, it, it's just not worth the headache. It's not. You know, and I I don't know what to do, but I can't really extend myself because I don't trust a lot of these outsourced companies no. because none of them just can't seem to fly straight with me. So I'm happy in the underground. Yeah. I think I'm too dirty, like to be in the mainstream ever anyway. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm comfortable where I am. Yeah. This is this is my home. I'm loved. I'm respected enough to do my thing. I've got a lot of people looking out for me, you know, even through the hard times and and the crazy shit that could happen out on the road. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm just a lucky motherfucker and I'm blessed for it and I'm grateful for it. I, I I don't forget it any any minute of the day. I don't let it go to my head. Right. You know, you've always been a humble dude, at least around me. So I have nothing else, you know, other to say than than good shit. Well, you know? people know me to be that way. Like you, you really have to try to, you know. Swing at me like I'm a pinata, right? And then you find out that there's no candy on the inside, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I get it. And 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 that's that. You know, uh, I'm not a tough guy, but God forbid if I end up being quicker than you, yeah, because you know, then that's what goes down, right? And 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 I'm worried about fucking getting into situations on the road too, simply because. These wannabes think they're tough, but when the reality gets put into their place, you know, they're they're immediately running to a cop or some shit like that. Yeah. And I'm too old for it. So I don't even want to play the game. I just want to go out there and do this thing yeah. and, and make the positive experiences, meet people that really gravitate towards the music that I've been a part of, and 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 that's it. And that's that's it. what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, it doesn't here. have to be too complicated. But everybody be. seems to be making it so complicated. Yeah, I don't understand, man. Me neither. Let me just do this real quick, and then we'll we, we'll wrap up in a couple of minutes. Okay. I just want to say that um, I have to shout out my sponsors real quick before I forget. Got it. Um, podcast is sponsored by Generation Records at Two Ten Thompson Street in the West Village. Find them on generationrecords.com and anything you can get at the brick and mortar spot, you can order online through their online mail order. Um, follow them on Instagram at Generation Records, on Twitter at Generation Rex. Um, also, this podcast is sponsored by New Republic Printing. Shout out to Steve McCarthy. Go to newrepublicprinting.net. Check them out. Um, you can go to their, their uh, it's the, the garment section or whatever it's called. I'm, it's, I'm drawing a blank, but they could basically print on any kind of clothing you want, any brand, any style, hoodies, anything you want. Um, the best part about them, besides the, their, their quality, and I've been using them for over a decade for different projects that I've been doing, but they have zero screen setup fees, and if you get your stuff shipped to a commercial address, it's absolutely free 
ground shipping. So you could order, you know, a hundred boxes worth of shit and it doesn't cost you an extra dime. Um, I highly recommend them. So go to generationrecords.com and follow them on Instagram as well at, no, not Generation Records, at newrepublicprinting.net and on Instagram at newrepublicprinting. Sorry about that, Steve, but. I'm rubbing off yeah. on you. I do the same thing. Yeah, well, this is always off the top of my head, so sometimes I mix it up a little bit, but everyone gets the point. Generation Records, New Republic Printing. Google them, fucking support them. That's it. It's 2020. I really shouldn't have to explain everything. Shout out to Bo, Gen X Records. It's been a while, Steve McCarthy. It's been a while. But yes, it used to be Death. To used to be Death Star. Yep. And then turned into New I Republic. Know, I worked Perfect. with Steve back then as he made the transition. Yeah, well, he, his he's, relationship and marriage and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, he was he was small when it was Death Star. He used to do a lot of like Agnostic Fronts merch. He did a couple of different clothing lines that I had, and then they had a transition and he New Republic, and he's doing better than ever. So. Yeah, well, Steve, I got my shit together much better than then too. So I <laughs> yeah. hope you're not mad at me. Reach out if you want. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm trying my best, guys. I'm trying my best. It's all I can do in this fucking world, you yeah, know. That's all we're doing. You know, life's a poker hand. I can't fucking get pocket kings every fucking day. <laughs> That's right. Oh, wh- who's talking? Alexa, shut up! <laughs> Let's see Alexa in the sound. In, in, after in the all of that, up. after an hour and a half, now it finally yeah. comes on? Yeah, Alexa, shut up. Nice. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, cool, man. So let's just like recap real quick. So you you're gonna be doing a live leeway NYC record. Yeah. The first two records, like maybe like the typical set. Can I have the best? I have songs, a request. The songs I enjoy doing. That yeah. you see during the live show. All right, well, well, I, well, yes, I agree with all those songs because I'm a Leeway fan. I've always been. But there's a song that I want to request. You're not going to do it, but I just have to put it out there. Which one? Self-defense. Well, self-defense is just not, like, where I am right now. I know, I but, really but, no, but there's just those there's certain lines, like, is it fair to sew a hole in my side because someone else has a need? Like, that shit is Ooh. hard, bro. Well, I know it's a great song. It's a great song, song, and you never do it. I was shocked that at the... It's amazing how some of the lines from those albums became, you know, prophetic. Like, if you listen to Tools for War, and I talk about... Uh, Middle Eastern yeah. starting to become terrorists and touching us. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, 9-11 yeah. and all the other shit that, you know, it's crazy how a lot of those s- lyrics, you know, wound up bearing Bang. fruit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, when you did the, when you guys did the pre-show with this Hawk a couple years ago, like, I always, I peek at the set list. And you guys, I, I never saw, I don't, I don't remember seeing you guys do it live except for that one night you guys actually did the song Born to Expire yeah I was like holy shit like to my knowledge I might have seen it years back like way back but I don't remember you like while I was there ever doing that song live normally because I'm switching up guys and I'm trying to catch up it's yeah. it's very hard for me to want to go expansive that's why we kept it simple yeah and really focused on the songs from the first two albums and maybe one or two things here. I mean, do I want to do Hornet's Nest Fuck by all kinds of Yeah, you know, compromise product. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they're great songs, but I've done them like in the acoustic shows when Mark Thousands would do a couple of sets with me at right. times. I would really try to generate that. So I'm, I'm hoping because a lot of people have come out and seen me do just the first two albums, I need to start tapping into the other albums too yeah. and doing that. But like I said, you know, 
Yeah, like simple life, three wishes. Yeah, like for, you yeah. can't, you can't, you can't put every song in this fucking set. No, you, know you can't. What I mean, and you, you're trying to please yourself on top of the audience because you don't want to just play songs to make your audience happy. You right. have to enjoy the songs too to really make it genuine. Sure. You know, so you know that's 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 why it ends up being what it is. Sure. It's, it's happenstance as well as the need for the consistency of it. Right. With the change ups that I have to deal with at times. Yeah. You know, but I'm still here. I could always make a change. You know, yeah. In in advance, something can change down the line. Yeah, I was I, I was only half breaking your balls about self defense. Of course, anyway. of course. You know, but so you, you know, it's it's a Bernie Getz song. It's it a is. very big part of New York history. It absolutely is. You know, yeah. So so you have a live New York uh, live Leeway NYC record coming out. You have shows coming up. Well, actually, you have a show coming up, but I don't. This is going to drop on March first. Okay, so March 6th, I'm playing Stanhope House. Okay, beautiful. I'll be headlining. And then on March 7th, I'm opening up Murphy's Law. Beautiful. You know, and that's at Amityville Music Hall. Um, stay tuned for more dates. You can find me on Instagram as Eddie Leeway. E-D-D-I-E underscore L-E-E-W-A-Y. And, you know, on Facebook, there's the Leeway NYC page. You can send a request to become a member of the page. I accept everybody every couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, I think I actually get a notification too. everyone. I think I think almost everybody that's in that group is able to add people. Yeah. It's a very open administration. Yeah. You know, um, I've kind of cut down people being able to put things up on the timeline because it's really the only all leeway page and yeah, it becomes that's a what shit I want to keep then. it. Yeah, it be, it'll become a shit show. Yeah, I, I, you know, it took me years to get that site built up, uh, you know. Uh, There's several thousand people on there. A friend built the page and then I took it older over, you know, after uh, differences. Right. And, and, you know, it's really just supposed to be the all info leeway page. It's not a billboard for everybody. You know, right. I'm not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you know, it's like I built these things for a fucking reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? No yeah. disrespect. Yeah, but, same here with my stuff. You know, like people post stuff. It's like, it's my shine. Right. It's your work. It's your thing. You know, post your stuff wherever. Build up your own shit. You know, if you reach out respectively and ask, you then, know, then, then we right. can reciprocate. And and I'm more than cordial. Sure. Same here. But you know, it's like you're shitting where I eat right. at times. You know what I mean? And and that's fucking foul. Yeah. So so dope. Do you want to? You you want me to? Uh, at the end of this podcast, you want me to add a. A nice Leeway NYC song or a Leeway song or two songs or something? You know. It's up to you. Your episode, part two, Eddie Leeway, Return of the Kingpin. Have fun with it, man. I'm just happy to have the opportunity to be in this comeback and having a new release over the past year. It's been out over 15 months. But I relaunched the podcast. It's simple. The Eddie Leeway podcast. It's on Weebly.com. So really just put it together. The Eddie Leeway Podcast.weebly.com. And for those who have a Spotify account, sit tight. It's coming up soon. It's probably going to be on the Upstate Records page. There you go. And uh, if you want to donate to the podcast and help me with production costs, patreon.com slash Eddie Sutton. It's that simple. It's that simple.
What was the what was the the last video you guys did? Uh, message to a man child. That's the name of the song. That's what we're gonna close with. Okay. Message to a man child. Leeway NYC. Shout out to Dan Nastasi and everybody. Who's the current lineup of Leeway? Well, you basically touched on that. You got gotta- Artie Alexander from Damn Your Eyes. Who used to play with Harley's version of the Chrome Eggs. Um, I've got two different drummers, so I won't say who's okay. in at the moment. But, of course, Dan Nastasi's still in the mix with me. Beautiful. And uh, that's where I'm going. Awesome. That's where I'm going. Thanks for having me, B. Anytime, brother. Definitely Anytime. Definitely a pleasure today. Always. Y'all take care of yourselves. E- Thank you. Exactly. We're over here now. You break-